so I've been hearing a lot about this uh, this Apple card. And I mean, I remember when it was announced, it was already like, it was a hot topic because it's just an unusual type of product for a tech company, unusual type of product for Apple or really anybody in the space that we're used to covering, not really in the, the financial business in a, in a traditional way, at least historically, that hasn't been the case. So it got a lot of attention at that announcement. And of course, that didn't stop. And now there's renewed attention on this product because it's actually starting to ship out to people and people are actually using this Apple card. Uh, for those of you that haven't been following the story, although I feel like a lot have based on some of the, some of the tweets and things that I've been getting, uh, Apple put out a credit card, essentially. They put out a, a flashy titanium credit card to go along with Apple Pay and to sort of polish up the credit card experience Give it a little tech twist. Give it a little, little lipstick, Will. Like that's kind of what's been going on. So I, I did not get one. It did not launch here in Canada where, where I'm based. I mean, I don't even know if I would have got one anyways. I, I may, maybe I would have just for the purpose of making a video. But like a lot of other people out there, I'm just, I mean, you already probably have a credit card. I'm not in the market for a credit card. Credit cards are not the kind of thing I want to be like acquiring like candy like gadgets because there's there there's a significant impact as a you know they're kind of a serious thing credit cards mm -hmm. you 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 have a credit rating that you like to take care of that could impact your life in certain ways it's just a, it's just a, a subject matter that well I don't typically cover and Apple typically wouldn't be involved in which makes this this particular topic a little bit complicated to cover but anyway this thing started shipping out to people mark has made a video it's like got like five million views unboxing and activating a credit card which goes to show you that this is effectively a credit card with hype associated with it which is not something i ever expected to say about a credit card but that goes to show you the apple brand the power of the apple brand it's kind of wild Anything with that logo on it is going to gather attention, even if it's a credit card somehow. Now, I found this article on CNBC, uh, the writer here, Alexandria White, and she decided after receiving her Apple card to use it for a week in New York City and to, to figure out what she learned as that being her, her main credit card. So I found this kind of interesting uh, just because it exposes what the day-to-day -day life with this card is like. So it turns out that this card is really a physical extension of Apple Pay. A lot of its functionality and, and perks are wrapped up, in a way, into Apple Pay. So, for example, the rewards associated with the card are better with Apple Pay than they are with the card physically itself. So if you use the card for purchases you get 1% cash back. If you use Apple Pay with the card attached to Apple Pay, that goes up to 2% cash back. So you got to kind of like reverse engineer the incentive structure to figure out the motivation for the company behind it. And, and so, look, I'm not saying there's anything, I'm, I'm not saying that credit cards in general are bad. I have them, I use them. But where things do get a little bit squirrely is where you feel like things are, you feel like individuals are being manipulated or you feel like people are, maybe manipulation is the wrong word, but like where there's a, 
a tinge of coercion, a tinge of in, in incentivization in places where you wouldn't typically see it. Like, so in other words, you reverse engineer from that standpoint. You go, okay, why would the incentive structure be targeted at the phone usage of the card? You're putting out this card. So why do you want people to steer clear of using the physical card and instead use the app? Well, that, that to me, when I go backwards to figure out why you'd want to incentivize that, I go, okay, because you want people to envision that experience that the phone is necessary for that experience. And the phone, of course, in this case, must be an iPhone. So now you want, you want the user to sort of subconsciously imagine that their phone and exclusively their iPhone, not just their phone, not just tap, not just any payment structure, but their phone tied to a branded exclusive card is responsible for their well-being. So now your iPhone isn't just the place where you need to where you attach uh communicate where your relationships live but it's also the place that keeps that's responsible for your well-being out in public your ability to participate in society is now wrapped up into the phone as well now obviously i'm going deep here most people are making payments with their phones as well it's not really a big deal but the difference here is that this is one phone one card one phone without apple pay all of a sudden this card is a totally different thing. It's a totally different proposition. And that's where things get a bit squirrely for me because now I'm saying to myself, okay, this product exists not just in the initial phase. If you think about what a financial product like this is, it's a, it's a profit-generating product. The idea here is to create debt, of course, and to earn money on interest. That's how credit cards work. Like Everybody fully understands this particular transaction. And of course, there's going to be users that pay off the whole thing. Of course, there's going to be people that, that use it responsibly. But that's what credit cards are. So Apple, of course, step one, we want to make more money. That's what we do. We're a company. Fine. So be it. But that's not the only part of it in this case. Because ultimately, Apple wants to sell you a phone. Ultimately, Apple wants to sell you products and get you sort of locked into their ecosystem. So the second part of it is the su subconscious, deep psychological component of locking you into a, to a financial product that keeps you tied to the physical hardware that is, is, is se severely depleted in functionality if you choose to move on to an alternative device. And, and for anybody who knows about credit, the complicated part about credit is that it's not something you want to be applying for frequently. Otherwise, you may very well hurt your, hurt your credit, credit score. And, and not just hurt your credit score, but it's just, it's the type of thing you want to have consistency around. And there's no consistency in constantly switching cards. So if you ever thought of switching phones, the card may now be the thing to hold you back. The card may be the thing to keep you deeply seated inside of the Apple universe. So from that standpoint, now you have the two pieces, the two motivations. Now, does that mean Apple can't go in there and improve the financial product, improve the credit card? No, of course not. The card looks better than 99% of cards out there. The app looks cool. For a responsible individual, there's, there's nice functionality in there. Of course, there's a lot of other cards and apps out there that are kind of similar as well. Now, the other sort of exposing characteristic of the incentive structure of the card 
is the fact that those rewards go up even further, Will, if you spend that cash with Apple directly. Then it goes to 3%. So you see how that works? It's like, because that particular purchase directly embeds you more deeply into the Apple structural components. If you keep buying more Apple things, the lock gets stronger. So let's incentivize that a step further. Now, of course, Apple also has their profit margins wrapped up in it. And it's probably easier for them to give back that 3% on Apple store purchases and so forth. But again, it's like, that's the, the cherry on top because how much money could you actually be spending at the Apple store? Mm -hmm. Like how often are you buying these things? Now for me, when I'm thinking about how I want to interpret this product, I start to also wonder about how the thing is going, going to be promoted, how the thing is going to be sold. And I'm talking about the card specifically. If it starts popping up in retail, you know, around the holiday season, Will, people are marching through that Apple store. They're like, you know, I'd love to love to give this laptop as a gift, but I can't really pay for it right now. Is, is there going to be that predatory stuff that used to exist at these types of retailers? They're like, well, you don't have to pay for it. Not only are we going to sign you up today, you're going to get 3% off. Don't be an idiot. Get the card. Get yeah. the 3% off. They do this to you in department stores. You, everyone's had this experience. And, 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 and personally, I hate it. I'm like, hey, man, just let me, you know, let me act responsibly. I don't need another card. You know, the number of times I've said I don't need another card, thank you very much, even though they want to give you one. And anytime you're being sold aggressively on a product, you start to question, you're like, damn, what is the margin on this thing? Why is it so important? The same thing happened with warranties in these types of stores. You remember the way they used to push Apple Care until they got so much push back that they kind of eased up? Best Buy the same with the warranties. Everyone's had those experiences where it's like, man, you're really killing my vibe right now. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like excited about this new thing and you're explaining to me why it's gonna break. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez, totally talk about a buzzkill. I know the main incentive is like, okay, like you get to save now. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can worry about the money later, but you can save now, just sign up. Absolutely. And now to Apple's drop. credit, to Apple's credit, you see that? To Apple's credit? Did you pick up on that? To Apple's credit? To Apple's credit, they have baked into this app some functionality to encourage you to pay back the card to avoid interest fees. So when you actually go in to make your payment and you scroll around this fun little wheel, it goes from red to yellow to green to kind of encourage you to pay off your balance. So they've obviously thought about the fact that they were gonna that, that they're trying to make a product that that people can't be exclusively critical of. That you can say, okay, well, maybe this is an advantage for me within the app. Maybe I'm gonna be more responsible. I see the green color. I pay more off. But what 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 anybody who knows this particular industry is gonna tell you is that like, look, if everybody's paying off the balance completely, they ain't making money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they wouldn't do it. So they know damn well if they have a product on their hands that's going to be successful. And you know it's got the Goldman Sachs badge on the back. And they know everything there is to know about it. Because they've been doing it. Mm -hmm. And why do you think they were so likely to stick their badge there? Why do you think MasterCard wants a piece of it? Because they all know, hey, let's split this up. Let's take these profits. Let's, let's take a piece. Because we know what's going to happen. Because that's how credit works. That's why it works because people overextend themselves because you give people money, they're going to use it. 
And everybody's going to be in a different financial situation. Some people are going to stretch it too much. And those people that stretch it are going to pay for the benefits of everyone else. Now, I'm not telling people how to act. I'm just saying that it's an odd position to be in with a brand like Apple. Because this is a traditional product. As much as it looks flashy and futuristic, don't get confused. This is an age-old credit product credit card system and it feels like a piece of tech and it feels innovative and it might feel different but there's plenty of products out there that do the same thing as this without an apple badge and i feel like that apple badge particularly in this case almost subverts the idea of what the product is and makes it feel like something more advanced because that that badge being from a tech company has it just has its association with advancement like some next gen credit card some next version, which is safe, and some next version, which is cool, it's going to notify me, and I'm never going to be, I'm never going to not be able to pay my balance, and, and it's got the point structure, and I'm getting cash back, and it's, it's like some sort of gamification. You know, when I saw the thing where the colors of the card, where the gradient becomes more uh, comprehensive, it becomes more, uh, it, has, it, has, it has a wider variety of colors in it, when you start to spend and the way you start to spend, sort of a personalization, like an achievement unlocked, like spending is in some way the status of the thing, like it's like a video game sort of. And, 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 and like your status within the game is associated with your spending. Yeah, it's kind of like a accolade or a medal or a trophy. It's like an, it's some sort of external a motivating factor mm -hmm. like why else do you put it in right so there's a lot man this is a heavy product this really got me thinking and 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 the, the crazy part about it is that the product itself is not that interesting it's not that unusual but it's that tie to the iphone and it's that badge that's on it that makes you have to totally reconfigure your thoughts as far as how people are going to interact with it and what it really represents what what the what the how how it sort of subverts your mindset around the concept of cards even in the application process it's like how many people applying for it don't already have a card really what percentage of adults currently don't have a card where they're going to be extending their credit likely to go out and get it because of the cool factor associated with the logo you see so just by nature of that the potential for debt the debt potential creation is significant for a brand like Apple. Anyhow, as a product, during this, uh, what is it, this uh, one-week trial in New York City that this individual went on, uh, they discovered that Apple Pay is actually not accepted everywhere for the time being. About 70% of her purchases, I believe, were she was able to use Apple Pay, but then the remainder she had to use the physical card or a different card. Yeah, so Apple Pay is currently accepted at 70% of merchants. In a place like New York City, she makes the note in the article that if you're in a smaller town or something, that number could go down, and therefore your functionality or your potential rewards also go down because remember, the, the payback percentage is dependent upon how you pay for something if you use the physical card versus if you use uh, Apple Pay. The activation of the card is the thing that a lot of people, it's getting a lot of accolades because of how cool the activation is, which is kind of funny. It's like, it, it activates like AirPods connect to your iPhone. Mm. Mark has showed it off in his video. And so, yeah, that's attractive. It's like, 
again, it starts to feel like tech and your brain starts going haywire. Because you're like, I don't know how to categorize the product. And the more you take that product, that traditional financial product, and you put it in your brain into the realm of tech, the more you want it. Because you're like, ooh, it's a cool new tech thing. And those are the things that I want. And that's the thing that this community wants. Anyone who might be interested in this is an, you know, another tech product, a way to represent yourself. And that's where, again, things get complicated and you start wanting the product that you probably don't need. The product being the true product, the creation of some extra debt for you. Uh, the other note that she makes here is daily cash isn't actually daily. It does take a little while for it to show up. So this daily cash, the way this works is, you know, it's a cashback card. There's lots of cashback cards out there, but most of them operate on a billing cycle. You get the cash back at the end of the billing cycle. In this case, Apple, Apple delivers it quicker, but it's not daily. It's not instant. Sometimes there's a delay. You know how these pre-authorizations work sometimes at restaurants and things like that. So there's a bit, a bit more of a delay than daily, even though they're calling it daily. Uh, and then the, the last piece of it is that if you're looking for value, the card is not actually that competitive. There's other products out there. The suggestion here is City Double Cash Card, which earns you 2% cash back. And that's on a physical card, which presumably you can use anywhere, unlike the 2% cash back only on the Apple Pay component of the Apple Card. And then if you do get into the interest piece, of the Apple cart. Again, it's not particularly competitive in that department. So the actual, like, the actual nutritional component of the product here, as a card, it's really just another card. But it's all that other stuff, the kind of superficial stuff, the extra stuff, the lipstick and the makeup around it, that's the compelling stuff. And those types of products, to me, they're the dangerous ones where you can kind of hide the true nature of it through all, you know, behind all this flashy stuff and the substance is still the same. It's still the same darkness, Will, that's still out there. And I know a lot of the world doesn't even mess with credit for that reason, because they understand the, the dangers associated with it. And people could, you know, people rack up, they, people, you could ruin your life with credit. I don't have to go into a whole, a whole uh, conversation here about credit. You know, you're a responsible guy, Will. You you pay your stuff off. You're talking to me? Yeah. Yeah, well, I try. I do. You try. You don't pay yeah. it off. What do you do? You carry a balance? No, I, I, I do pay it off. You pay it off? End of the month. Yeah, you yeah. pay it off, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there's people like you, and you should be allowed to have a product like this. But when the marketing gets real flashy and everybody feels like they need it, you know there's going to be a certain amount that get all, they want to get this, they want to get the colorful card, the color, like the colorful app. Because you're spending and having such a good time out there in the world being Apple's uh, best customer. So uh, anyway, point being, I don't mind it existing. I think they've done some cool things. If it came from any other company, and I said, you know, I've said this to you before we started rolling. If it was just like some Kickstarter, some new company that wanted to like put a new kind of skin, a new twist, a new app, a new look to how you interact with your credit card, we would interpret that one way. But when you have the world's most valuable company, depending on the day you look, sometimes, you know, they bounce back and forth. When you have the world's most valuable company doing it, then you really need to pay attention mm -hmm. because now you're talking about a much bigger footprint and a much bigger impact and a different kind of incentive structure for them 
and what their expectations are and how those margins look and how much money they expect to make. Because they don't mess around unless they're going to make some money, Willie Dees. They ain't never had a problem making money. Yeah. You want to talk margins? They never had a problem having way bigger margins than everyone else in the game. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't think this one's the free ride. This one's the free pass where you're best friends now. Nah. They make money. They count it all day long. They buy countries. Mm. They don't actually buy countries, but they could if they wanted. Islands. Islands. Yeah. Offshore. Stacking it up. You know? So just like, look. And that's every company for the record. People think I'm, people think I'm hard on Apple. It's every company. Apple just has been that top tier for so long. The moves they make. And I'm telling you, the margins for them are unprecedented in every place they play. Every place they play. They get those margins because that brand, that, that, that brand value, it's a different level with Apple. And good for them. For the record, brand value is big in this game. And theirs, look at that logo right there. You see that metallic logo right there, Will? Guy like you, pull out a card like that. You're on a date or something, you pull a card like that. Guy like you. Unbelievable. <laughs> People going to ask. Topic of conversation. Little conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Damn, Willie do doing well for himself. I don't Fancy even have card. an iPhone. I just have the card. Yeah, you don't need it. You just pull that out right there. They look at you. You're like, I got it covered. Mm-hmm. No, you're like, it's on me. You're like, it's on me. You just put it on a table. And it makes the clinky sound because it's titanium. Yeah, the car's not even activated. Yeah! Guy like you? <clears throat> so. It has someone else's name. <laughs> who's, oh, you're just, you just, you yeah. stole it? Yeah. Man, that's rude. Um, I would think the application process would be really simple as well. Yeah. Just thinking about. Give it to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw, you know, I was downtown. I saw a bum on the street. He had one. I'm just kidding. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know uh, how restrictive they're going to be on who gets it. But man, what a world! What a, what a time to be alive. Apple in the financial game. What next? Who would have thunk? What What next? Apple for president. Mm-hmm. What can they do? They taken over. It's uh, they got every piece of you. Is, are they going to give you a mortgage next? Apple houses. Like what? Like, like what? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's going on here? All right, moving from one place to another place. Oh, by the way, if you want to get the Apple card, go for it. Like, whatever. Just, you know, irresponsible individual like Will. You know, do what you got to do, man. Pay, pay, your, pay it down and live your life. Huawei planned covertly to sell smartphones in the U.S. Now, this is coming from a website. I don't know this website. Washington Free Beacon. But uh, it's one of these political Political website. Somebody's probably going to say, hey, man, that's a. Did anyone else write about it, by the way? I'm curious now that I just noticed where I, where this is coming from. Is this one of these uh, propaganda type sites? Maybe. Very well. I don't know. It's written by Bill Gertz, senior editor. 27 years at the Washington Times before getting on this, hopping on this website right here. Anyway, it's a political website. Take it for what it's worth. But they make the claim that the. Chinese telecom giant Huawei sought to circumvent U.S. government ban. So obviously, we talked about it many times at this point. Huawei 
uh, not the best uh, relationship with the U.S. Uh, no access really to the American market for the time being. This particular story, this particular report, suggests that they were looking at creative ways to get around some of those bans. They are the world's number two smartphone maker. And apparently, according to U.S. intelligence agencies, they had plans last month to filter Huawei smartphones through Mexico and then via a rebranding process to get them onto U.S. soil and into U.S. customers' hands. So the way this, the way this would go down, Will, you get like 100,000 units, get them into Mexico, put a nice little badge on there. You got a, you got a brand name for this new company here? What are you calling it? I was thinking they would replace it with like an iPhone or something. Oh, they just put just slap iPhone yeah, on there? Just straight up iPhone. What about each phone? <laughs> you know? Something covert like that. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, who knows what the name would have been, but the, of course the 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 concept here is you 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 just have some some other name. You 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 spoof, you you got some brand that you can slap onto it, which isn't banned. And then inside internally it's a it's a huawei device so you don't have to like re completely engineer something this happens actually there's lots of brands they slap their name on it and then you see you, this happens on amazon that so you see some power bank or some mm -hmm. pair of headphones it's like 15 different companies they have the same product but with a different brand on it mm -hmm. you would assume this would be something they could do relatively easily and then i guess on the u.s side they had to be cracking these things open and be like hey i know what that is and then they'd have to ban it from that standpoint. It's not an iPhone. Going forward. It's phone. Now, interestingly enough, Huawei already has this other brand, Honor, but you have to assume that they're also included in this ban as it stands today. So according to the officials, the Shenzhen China-based company planned to ship a large number of its smartphones to Mexico, where the smartphones would be relabeled and then shipped into the United States. As non-Huawei devices, there would be no prohibition on selling them in the United States. They could only be identified if you crack them open. So, again, I'm not sure about the validity of this particular claim here. I wouldn't put it past them. I'm not accusing them of doing this, but I wouldn't put it past them. You know, if it's just a name that's being banned, specifically, slap another, slap another name on there. Mm -hmm. No? Is it that easy? Probably not. I have to assume they'd be shut down fairly quickly. But it's, uh, it speaks to this the increasingly complicated landscape in which it's all these covert ops now, man. You can't... Once you start talking espionage, my goodness, what a rabbit hole you travel down as far as how things are going to happen and operate and what's going to... how it's going to... what we're going to do going forward here. Yeah, guerrilla tactics. It's crazy tactics going forward. So, anyhow, it's just a report. It's apparently, you know, sources close to the matter as usual. Uh, U.S. intelligence agencies, according to the Washington Free Beacon. It doesn't sound like these devices actually made it onto Mexican soil. But imagine that, Will, the hottest new phones made in Mexico. Hmm. Would, you, uh, would you be wondering the legitimacy? Yeah. They're like, look, it's the H-Phone P50 Ultimate. You see how that goes? Yeah. It's got eight lenses, hot new company out of Mexico. What's wrong with you? That's the flagship territory. 
and competitive pricing. Mm. You're like, damn. And 5G. Mm. You're like, damn. Get in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to go well with my Apple card right here. Anyway, we never got to that point, but it doesn't stop covert ops, trade wars. You know how it goes. Now, speaking of Chinese smartphone companies, my goodness, Xiaomi, they're just, it's a rocket ship. Xiaomi tops Indian smartphone market for eighth straight quarter. You know, the Indian market is the only hot market left. Shout out India. I know you're, I know you're watching, of course. Great support from India. Every other market got soft on smartphones, not India. They're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We got billion. You know that? You know the difference? You know the difference, Will? You got, you got millions, uh. then you got billions. Okay. You understand it's a big difference? Because I don't know if you do. Uh, you can't compare. We live in a country here, Canada. There's 35 people in this country. Okay, 35 million, fine. You don't even, you can't even comprehend 1.4 billion. Guy like you. You got your space. You got your grass. You take the dog. You take a deep breath. You look around. Look at you. You can't understand 1.4 billion. You we have a lot of space. Who? Us. Yeah, you? Yeah. Not me, you, though. <laughs> me, I got it tough. You got a lot of space. Yeah, of course. Canada, I mean, I'm sure if you, like, mapped out the size of the country for each human, I mean, it would be bananas how much each mm -hmm. person would actually have to themselves. I mean, you might be up, you might be in none of it or something. Yeah. But you could have quite a bit of space. Anyhow, we all know this. It's, but it's not just the scale. It's not just the number of people. It's the enthusiasm around smartphones in India. It's bananas. I told you before, I went. P people in India, the smartphone game is different. Mm -hmm. I promise you. People here are like, hey, I got a new smartphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People in India I met, they're like, I'm on this one right now. I'm going to this one next. Yeah. What do you think, Lou? I don't like the camera. Spec list. Ta -ta 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 -ta. These people know what is up. They're passionate. They know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I try to tell people. It's a different level in India specifically. And it's so much enthusiasm because it's so many people coming online recently and continuing to do so. So when you have all these new users, they're like, they're like, man, this is, it's so fresh. Mm -hmm. So. Very optimistic. The Chinese electronics giant, Xiaomi, shipped 10.4 million handsets in the quarter that ended in June, which is about 30% of the market. That's more than Samsung, Will. They moved down to number two, or not moved down, they're, they're stuck in number two at 9.3 million units. Of course, you know, they got the M series, the A series, they got all this going on. And they also have the biggest factory in India, Samsung. Mm. So they're taking it real serious. This is the battleground. India is the smartphone battleground. It's all happening there. Because it's still the hot one. It's still the place you can grow as a smartphone maker. Overall, 37 million handsets shipped in India during the second quarter of this year, which is up 10% from the same period last year. Everywhere else, stagnant or down a little bit. India's like, never mind. We're going up 10% on units in this, in this quarter. Uh, 
there are 450 million smartphone users in India, which is up from 350 million last year. You get 100 million new buyers, Will. Do I need to remind you? 35 million people in Canada. You got 100 million new smartphones. You got a million. You got a billion. You understand the difference? I'm learning slowly. I'm trying to help you out here, man. I'm trying. I mean, it's a scale thing. You just oh, oh, we want to we want to sell some new some new smartphones. Oh, why don't I bring you 100 million new customers that didn't have a smartphone last year? Why don't I just oh, this is your store. Here's 100 million customers who want to spend hundreds of dollars on a new phone. What do you think? You want to sell to them? What do oh, you yeah. think? Yeah, I think I might want to be sell I think I might want to be paying attention. And that's one area. I'll get back to Apple. This is where uh, Apple missed a boat in this market. My goodness. 100 million new users, home to 1.3 billion people, the fastest growing market worldwide. Smartphone shipments everywhere else declined 2.3%. Vivo, Oppo, they're in the game. They're, they're expanding their base in the country. Okay, as you're aware. And OnePlus, who's, which is considered a premium brand, they're considered in a premium segment in India, OnePlus assumed 63.6% of the premium segment. 63.6%. OnePlus, little OnePlus. You want to know where Apple was on that? Less than 2% of the overall local market. See what's going on over here? OnePlus, their pricing went way up too. Right? What is a OnePlus 7 Pro USD right now? What, are the, what, 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 uh, what was the MSRP on that? USD. You know, was that like 600 something? 700? 700. 700 bucks. Oh, what are you looking at? You're saying 700 pounds? What are you doing, Will? You're killing me here. It's unbelievable. 750? 750 bucks? Anyway, around 700 bucks. That's a lot of cash in the Indian market. The average smartphone in the Indian market, the most likely to be purchased, has a sticker price below 200. So OnePlus, little OnePlus, slugging it out. Giants like Apple, they're in the same kind of territory price-wise. They got a lot closer and they're winning big time because of an investment, a localization, brick and mortar, uh, a marketing to people there exclusively, shifting their strategies. Very impressive. So what you got OnePlus, you got Xiaomi, you got all these newcomers who really invested in that market and now it's paying dividends and it makes a lot of sense to me. And Apple, of course, they're clawing back. They're trying to get back in the game because I feel like they missed the boat to a certain extent. They didn't pay enough attention. They didn't have exclusive SKUs for that marketplace. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing to note, Will, one of the reasons Xiaomi has, has destroyed the market there, destroyed in a good way, has dominated the market there, is because they invested heavily in brick and mortar. And this is something I recognize when I travel to India. A lot of people still want to shop brick and mortar. They want to go to a store. Depending on the generation of the individual, they don't like to buy online. They don't want to just yet. A lot of new users, new smartphone users, they want to go to a store, physically see it. So Xiaomi, they recognize this and they're like, we got to get this footprint going. And so just recently, they opened their 2000th store in the country. Mm. And they're on track 
for 10,000 stores before the end of the year. 10,000 10, stores. They got 2,000 right now. That's what they claim. What kind of hardware do they have in the store besides their smartphones? Do they have any... I'm sure there's accessories. Accessories? Yeah, I'm sure there's the third-party stuff. But ultimately, they made that recognition and they got these stores out there so people could buy the way they want to buy in that yeah. market. That's investing in the go market. go in, check it out. It's paying attention. I know OnePlus does the same thing. I know they got the, they got the stores. Vivo, yeah. Vivo's got the stores. So it's, it's an adjustment, man. It's pay attention. Pay attention to your customer, you know. Do the right thing and understand the difference between millions and billions. You see how that goes? So, uh, well done, Xiaomi. Congrats. Eight straight quarters. My goodness. Who's going to knock you out? I don't know. Now, speaking of iPhones, Apple missing a boat over there in India. It ain't going to stop them from making phones and making money. I promise you, they're not doomed. They got another one coming out. We talked about it, right? iPhone 11 and so on. They're going to keep it moving. Well, there's a new leak came out today. Apparently, Apple's going to be done with the word iPhone on the back of the unit, on the back of the phone. This is uh, very surprising to me. I'm not sure I believe this leak. Why would you? I mean, they love their branding. They're trying to go even more simple. They're trying to go more... Are they trying to go away from the iPhone being the flagship? Because, you know, here's the thing, Will. Increasingly, their revenue has been moving away from iPhone towards services, other products. They're not making what they used to make on the iPhone. Maybe this is a moment where you move away from the iPhone brand and you start to just make the Apple play in general. Come towards the Apple logo. Join us in our mission. It's quite possible. But anyway, so the rumor is they get rid of the iPhone logo on the back. And this came, by the way, via a Foxconn worker. I mean, he ain't named. He ain't going to drop his name. going to be consequences if he did. So an unnamed Foxconn worker claims that not only they get rid of the iPhone branding on the back, but the new one will also be available in an all-new dark green color. It's kind of like a forest green. What do you think about that type of color, Will? Forest green. I don't mind it. It's very calming. Okay. They say green is the best color to look at for your eyes. Your eyes just, like, I'm, look, I'm looking at green swatches right now. I feel more calm. Jack? Yeah, you're feeling better now. You just look at the forest green over there. So a dark green color. And that's in line with previous reports from a Japanese blog, which uh, they said the same. They said the iPhone XR is going to be available in this new green and lavender. You ever smell fresh lavender, Willie Do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lavender oil? Yeah, there you go. It's a beautiful time. Also, the Foxconn worker, in line with Ming-Chi Kuo, claims that all the 2019 iPhones will feature frosted glass casing. So, no more glossy thing. That's interesting. Possibly fewer fingerprints. A sandblasted kind of like, that could be cool. People might be into that kind of like a ceramic-like look, like not a polished one. But uh, for me, the most interesting uh, part of this leak, be, you know, is, is obviously the iPhone branding being removed. You can show a picture of it, Will, on MacRumors.com. If you go to their article on the matter, if you can find it, it is such an odd thing to look at an iPhone that doesn't say iPhone on it. If you scroll down there, look at that. That's weird, right? 
<laughs> so used to seeing that iPhone branding, just gone. Can't say I mind it. No, it's cleaner. Yeah. I mean, if they do it, I applaud them. I know it's an iPhone. I think the whole world knows it's an iPhone at this point. I don't think you have to write it. But nonetheless, I'm skeptical that it actually happens. Uh, I've got one here. At least a little help for the audience. If any of you happen to be a Google Pixel owner, early Google Pixel owner, Pixel or Pixel XL, so, so early first Pixel buyer, you actually could get 500 bucks right now if you're one of these people. And the reason for that is apparently these devices, they suffered a, a pretty extensive issue with the microphone. Now, I never experienced this particular issue, but everyone who did, everyone who had one of these phones, even if you didn't experience an issue, are entitled to some money. If you experience an issue, you're entitled to more money. But even if you didn't experience any issue, you could get 50 bucks. That's a free 50 for you if you have one of these. So here's the way it works, okay? Uh, they were, they agreed, Google agreed to pay $7.25 million in this class action lawsuit. That's that's not insignificant. Mm -hmm. the, you, oh, sorry, not 50. You get 20 bucks if you purchased any of these devices. Regardless if you experience any issue at all, you're going to get 20 bucks. If you experience the microphone issue, you're going to get 350 bucks. And if you experience the microphone issue and you have more than one of the devices, you could get up to 500 bucks. So pretty much anybody who had one of these phones could go out and get some free cash right now. And it's rare. Like, you don't, you don't often see these things play out like this. Yeah. It's not like uh, they're planning to fix it. I guess it's too old. So they're just going to give you some money instead. Some cash back. Yeah. So... You start. You got to start thinking how you're going to spend it. I just feel like these type of reports, I mean, there's not that much to say about it. Obviously, it sucks that the thing was faulty. It's great. It's too bad it took a court hearing to get a settlement for people. Mm -hmm. Google could have, like, they could have helped people out earlier. But I guess that's the way these things go. They go through court and, and class actions and so forth. But now that we're at this point, it's like, oh, okay. You got, you're going to get something for your for your yeah, troubles. It's cash. I mean, it's cash not is cash. like credit for like another pixel or something. Mm -hmm. It's nice. Cash money. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is one of those public service announcements that we put out on the podcast here. We put out in a video. You head over to pixelsettlement.com. You got to do it before October 7th of this year. And collect your cash. Put in your little, uh, put in your request. Along with your credentials, I don't know, you got a receipt or whatever it is you got, and uh, and collect on your for your troubles. Very well. I got another one as well, Will, in the public service announcement department. This one affects both you and Jack and plenty of others, I'm sure. This, I saw this in my feed and I was like, whoa, that is significant. MacBook Pros banned from flights. Find out if yours is affected. MacBook Pros sold between 2015 and 2017 are now banned from flights. Now, we heard about them having battery issues, talked about it on a recent episode, a couple episodes back, a few episodes back. But now we got this report that the Federal Aviation Administration has banned these MacBooks on flights because of those faulty batteries that we referenced previously in the recall. So the recall goes out, and then the FAA says, well, 
if Apple's saying these batteries are faulty and could potentially pose a fire risk, we can't have them on planes then. And so now you imagine this squirrely situation you might find yourself in if you have a MacBook between 2015 and 2017 and you hop on a flight, you pop it open, you're trying to get some work done and they're like, excuse me, no, no, no dice. You're gonna, you're a threat right now, sir. Get off my plane, sir. You know, that could be, that could be a real terrible situation for you. So this is not an insignificant number of MacBooks, by the way. At first when I read it, I'm like, okay, it's a two-year span. The number of affected units is about 460,000 in the U.S. Or no, 460,000 total, and 26,000 of those were sold in Canada. So, I like half a million units out there in the world that can't hop on a flight anymore. And you can imagine how terrifying that would be as you go through the security, and they're like, nah, 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 that laptop, no good. And you're like, geez, I, got, I had work to get done. And you can't, like, just leave it there. No. You know? Yeah, so, so in some circumstances, what they're saying is what will happen as a consequence is it'll have to be in your baggage, like closed up and turned oh. off. And then it's less of, a, mm -hmm. of an issue. But that doesn't really solve your problem in the sense that you won't be on your laptop. You got this long flight coming up. Right. You didn't plan for that. Now, according to Apple, they received 26 reports of the laptop's batteries overheating. Five reports included minor burns and smoke inhalation, as well as 17 reports which had damage to other nearby personal property. So the FAA, they don't mess around. Obviously, if one of these things explodes on a flight, the consequences could be catastrophic. We saw something similar with the Note series. Remember when those were blowing up on flights and then every flight you were on, they had to say, if you got a Note, get off or like chuck the Note out because it was that's the, that's the level of, of uh, concern that existed over that device at the time. So obviously a MacBook, though, much bigger battery. Mm -hmm. So... If the thing did explode, you you would assume the consequences could could be more significant in association with that much bigger battery. Also the fumes. Also the fumes. You know, in that cabin. I mean, that's no fun. You don't want the panic associated with that. People overreact. And I mean, I just don't want to even be on that flight if that happens. So anyhow, point being, there's an eligibility webpage. Type in your MacBook Pro model into that webpage. And you can find out, uh, you can get your serial number from about this Mac. And you can go ahead and determine if yours is a part of this particular program. And you can go in and get your battery replaced. And then I, I presume the FAA is going to click about this Mac or something. I don't know. When you show up with your MacBook and they're somehow going to know that yours passes uh, passes their, their process to be able to be carried on. But Will, your laptop is... That's a threat right now. Don't you dare take down an airplane. That's a 2017 model. It's about to blow up. Uh, maybe yours, you might have bought yours just after the deadline on this. I don't know. But you're going to have to type yours in. Jack, type yours in. See where you're at. And if you're somebody watching this, you have a MacBook Pro, type yours in and see because that could be a major nightmare before you hop on an airplane. So another public service. Now we're taking care of the people. Oh, we're going to check Jack's unit right now. We're going to see if he's eligible or not for a battery replacement. Willie Do is going to enter. This is live. This is uh, entertainment right here. Uh, some, 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 some real riveting content as we find out live if Jack's laptop is a threat to mankind. Or maybe it's no problem at all. Maybe, he, maybe his is later than these model years. Not eligible for the program.
Our records show your device has already been serviced as part of the program. Or, wait, yours is a replacement unit. You got, you got a replacement unit, remember yours? Oh, you didn't you? Yours was busted, your last one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? No, I think it was after. I think you got this replacement after 2017. No? I think you got it after February of 2017, dude. I remember when that went down. You're good. You're good, Jack. You got yours replaced. You had some other issue. Maybe we should just update. People are feeling left out here. What was your issue? Why'd you get yours replaced? What happened to your last one? It was something with your logic board. Yeah, yeah it was a pro problem with the logic board. Yeah, and, and we have a video for it on unboxing Jack's new laptop. So he had a dead MacBook Pro, so his is not falling within the window of replacement. Very well. Well done. We have a controversial, some controversial YouTube news. They're testing bigger thumbnails, and people, people are upset. According to The Verge, in fact, people hate it. Well, can you imagine? People, they're all fed up. They're, they're irate. YouTube making changes? How dare you? I love my YouTube the way it is. You can't change things. And the funny thing is, I know I, per, I, I you know I particularly noticed this this post because a shout out. The, yeah, because the screenshot that they used to illustrate how terrible the new features has a giant unbox therapy <laughs> thumbnail. So it's like I couldn't ignore the story. It's like wait a second. Uh, anyway, yeah. So I mean, this is what YouTube does. They experiment. In this particular case. The experiment means that on the desktop app, it starts to look more like the mobile app, sort of, in which case you have fewer thumbnails that you're looking at uh, on, on the main page. Uh, they're bigger. As a consequence, there's fewer to look at, and they're bigger. And this did not roll out to everyone. This is a test. I can't make it show up on mine. Will, I don't think it showed up on yours. No. But people are mad, as they usually would be, whenever anything changes in a place that you're so... You know, you're so familiar with and you utilize a lot and, and you're kind of tuned into it. When something changes, you're like, hey, is this better? I don't think so. I'm unfamiliar and so forth. And so people are saying it's ugly. Uh, people are saying it's disorganized. People are saying it's disorienting as it would be anything that changes. People are saying it seems like I'm zoomed in, am I, am, but I, then I found out I'm not. People are saying I'm not blind. What are you doing? So there's a couple, there's some speculation here on what's going on. The friendly one is that maybe YouTube's trying to be more accessible for people with different vision requirements. That's a, that's like the friendly one that like now it's easier for them to use with bigger thumbnails. That's possible. I don't think that's what's going on. I know YouTube loves to experiment and see how user behaviors change based on some of their trials. That's probably what they're doing. They're gonna see if people watch more YouTube, if the thumbnails are bigger. Here's what I think, Will, and I told you this before when I first heard about this. YouTube is increasingly becoming a, a su suggestion-driven website, in which case the algorithm is really driving your experience, and it's sort of figuring out what you want to watch more and more frequently. And I know that's a controversial subject, and people want to believe that like they're better than the algorithm at knowing what they want, and that subscriptions should be like they used to be. But look, I have the analytics. I look at the back end. That's how people use YouTube. <laughs> like, There's no way around it now. The data's out there. People are using suggestions. They're using the home feed. They're moving away some, from subscriptions. I'm seeing the viewer data. That's how you're watching YouTube. And so not all of you, but most of you, that's, you see how that goes. Mm. Uh, and so if you think about it, what is the advanced form of the ultimate algorithm? Well, the ultimate algorithm is one feed, one video, the ultimate video for you to watch because they know so much about you 
in that moment that they can guarantee that the thing that the algorithm is going to surface is the thing you want most and nothing else on YouTube can possibly compete. Taking the human element and your selection process out of it completely. Kind of like an ultimate TV channel that you never have to change. How scared are you right now, Jack? Yeah, that's some clockwork orange type stuff right there. You see, which I've been thinking about a lot. But that's the ultimate form of how they keep you connected is they know the most about you and you don't even have to think anymore. And that's showcased in how humans always choose the convenient model, steer clear of the subscriptions, and just stick to those suggestions. Recommended, which is now the most prevalent thing when you log on to the desktop, most prevalent thing when you log on to mobile. And you know they got the data, I got the data, we see how it operates, humans are choosing it. They're choosing to go that direction. So for me, this is the natural progression of that concept. I'm not saying I agree with it. I am just telling you where I think the motivation lies. They are so confident in their algorithmic structure of today that what you might be seeing here is the evolution of them saying, we don't want you to look at a mass of videos because that's intimidating. That's too much choice. Much like how people figured out in retail, for example, if you put too many options in one particular product category, people leave, they don't buy. Yeah. You put two, three, four options, and they're like, okay, I feel like I got a grip of the landscape, and now I can make a decision. So if the algorithm is doing such a good job in suggestions, the next phase of suggestions is fewer suggestions. So now you log on to the main page, and it's like, okay, I got like six, eight to choose from. I'm not intimidated. They nailed it once again. Let's presume that the algorithm's functioning correctly. And then you go down the rabbit hole and you have your algorithmic viewership experience. This is them putting, their, putting the pedal to the metal in the algorithm department. This is them doubling down this experiment at least. Now the scary part is, let's say the users who get this version, let's say they have a great time and they spend way more time on YouTube because of their gigantic thumbnails. Then you end up with it. Now, maybe there'll be some sort of opt-out, potentially, if you, don't, if you really don't like it. But they got the data on the human behavior on a mass scale. They got the big numbers. They got the big data. You see? Mm -hmm. And so they can, they can experiment with this stuff and make these decisions based on more stuff than me and you as bystanders can even perceive. We sit here and we go, I don't know. I don't like it. How do you think it looks, Will? What do you say? <clears throat> Is it as pretty as it used to be? I like my old YouTube. Like, what are we even talking about? They don't care about that. Yeah. Watch time, retention, clicks, ads, money, business, dominance, data. Who are you? Human uh, profiles and so forth. So they'll stick with it if it works. They'll give it up if it doesn't. So your best way you can boycott is immediately log off YouTube when you see the big thumbnails. Immediately go do something else, then you're safe. Or use other functions. Click on the subscription tab or use search to find what you want to watch. And then that would be significant feedback, I'd assume, across a big enough scope to convince YouTube to go back to the old su suggestion system. And maybe, Will, we end up with a hybrid in the long term where some users see YouTube one way and others another way based on what works best. It's all very creepy. But it's all very necessary and it's all very obvious when you think about it in that particular framework. So I think that's what they're experimenting with. I don't really care one way or another. Personally, I don't necessarily interact with YouTube through the home feed. I tend to move around YouTube. I tend to, you know, bob and weave a little bit. I try to be a little unpredictable. I like to use search still. I like to look at, you know, different things. I think 
uh, uh, for those that rely on the home feed, you're the most susceptible to these particular changes. Anyhow, the algorithm's getting good. Uh, that too, I should say. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's increasingly getting closer to, to eliminating my part of the process in which I navigate my own experience. It's, it's changing. Things are changing out there. Mm -hmm. All right, here's a funny one. Will man push his BMW into river because he wanted a Jaguar for his birthday? I don't know about this story. Once again, shout out to all my friends in India because this is a story that's coming via the Times of India. It's an Indian guy, a son, 22-year-old son. His parents bought him a BMW, and apparently, again, according to this story, it's CBS News, he didn't like it, and he pushed it into a river. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's rough. Jeez. A little extreme. Kind of rough. Apparently, again, according to this report, you got BMW 3 Series and deliberately moved the luxury vehicle into the western Yamuna Yamuna Canal. He was demanding a Jaguar car from his father, but his, when his father failed to buy one, he threw away his BMW in a fit of anger, a local police official said. His family sold their car, which they received from their in-laws, to buy him the BMW. And then the parents said that the child has a mental issue, undisclosed. So... <laughs> It's what a what a bizarre story. I don't know if it's legit. Maybe people closer to the matter, our fans in India, can fill us in. They can uh, uh, elaborate on this story. Maybe there's more local news that's that dives a little deeper. Dives a little deeper. <laughs> Man, I'm not even doing that on purpose. Uh, maybe it's a promo for Jaguar. Maybe it's a promo. I don't know. Maybe now. Interestingly, I thought it could be like some sort of patriotic move because I believe the parent company the ownership company of jaguar is actually an indian car brand so maybe the guy's like hey man i want to i don't know maybe it's a patriotic movie and that's why he didn't want a bmw now it's important to note that the father that purchases bmw for his son denied the story that his son wanted a jaguar and that he, it actually ended up in the river because his son was trying to swerve away from an antelope that got in the road sure but Jack doesn't buy it. Antelope, yeah. Will doesn't buy it. Jack doesn't doesn't buy it. Uh, obviously, the car is wrecked. I don't think a car can survive very long swimming in a river. The whole thing's quite unfortunate for everyone involved. If I'm the father, I'm 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 upset. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's disrespectful. It's rude. All of the above. If I'm Jaguar, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. If I'm Jaguar, yeah, they, they win. Yeah, Jaguar is the only one who wins in this situation. Like, pe pe people want a Jaguar so bad and hate BMWs so much that they just sink their BMWs. <laughs> but, like, if, if it is the way that it's stated and this son decided to send a message to his parents about his dissatisfaction, well, I don't, I'm not cool with that. I don't, that's, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I can't get with that, Will. I can't get behind that. I can't endorse that. You should have a talk with them. So, again, I'm hoping my people, I'm hoping everybody located in India can offer me more insight into this situation as far as what happened, how this could possibly take place. I hope there's more intel and more to the story because the way it stands right now, I'm just, I'm not very happy about it. What a weird situation. Mm -hmm. Now, to, to lighten the mood a little bit, because that's just grim, the sinking of the gift, uh, Here's one. You're going to love this one, Willie Do I'm trying to lighten the mood around here. You're going to love this one. 
We got we talk about so much here. It's all very serious. This one is just for you to have a good time. Guy like you. And Shaq, he's going to have a laugh. Milk drink explodes after dropping onto floor in China. I don't I don't know why I love this video. First of all, there's so much I don't understand about it. Second of all, it's uh no one's getting seriously hurt. So it's not I don't I don't know I don't know why I like this video. So so I'm gonna give you a quick I'm gonna break it down for you. So the the guy in the video, he's in his apartment, he takes his milk beverage in a bottle. For some reason, it's on the bed. He removes it from the bed and attempts to place it on a tiny little coffee table. <laughs> don't ask me why it was in the bed to begin with. Don't ask me why it needed to go to the coffee table. Oh. He places it down on the coffee table. It doesn't shake it, nothing extreme. It tumbles, lands on the cap, and explodes with tremendous force, slamming into the ceiling and creating a gigantic dent in his ceiling. Now you, it's so fast that you almost miss its initial initial jump. What you're seeing there, Jack, is it coming, it's descent from the ceiling. Try to watch for, the jump is insane. It's like one frame. That's the amount of force. If that dude's head was there, over top of that bottle, he's KO'd. He's losing an eyeball. Like it made, it, that, that looks like a steel, like I don't know what that roof is made out of, but it looks like a robust roof. And it like took a chunk out of that roof. Now, another reason I like this particular video, well, granted, I'm glad the guy's okay. You can see how, how much shock he's in when it happens. It's Wait. a milk beverage. It's not the first such incident. It's not the first such so. in incident. So if you <laughs> carry forward in the video a little bit, it shows a dude who took one to the eye. Oh. And oh. you can see he was damaged by wow. a similar bottle opening situation. It's milk. That's what I said. That's why I like the story. What is this milk beverage? Now, once again, I am going to, I'm going to ask for help from our audience in this part of the world. If you're in China or anywhere, do you recognize this particular beverage? Now, I know you don't have a lot to go on. It has a red top to it and a white bottle, and it's some kind of a milk beverage. Is it a carbonated milk beverage? Is there such a thing? as a carbonated milk beverage. I don't have one. I don't know of one. But maybe now I need to know what this mysterious beverage is that could have taken this man's head off. So you can avoid it. Or so I can try it. Or you want to try it. Yeah, because maybe it's so good that people are willing to put up with this, this risk. Look at this one more time. Watch the initial boom. He, he doesn't even know what happened. He was frozen. There's so much about this video. Jack is right. When when it's first placed on the coffee table, why doesn't it stand up straight? Is it already having issues? Is the bottom already expanding? Oh yeah. It doesn't. It never wanted to sit flat. It never wanted to. Is it was it getting heated up over there in the bed? Was it shaken up previously? It's so weird. I was fascinated by this video. It must video. not I have like a a flat bottom. I had to watch it a hundred times. To figure out, even to see the initial impact on the roof, you got to go out, Will, to the beginning of the video, and, and you got to look for the wide shot to catch the original ascent from the from the bottom. You don't see it as it goes up. You only see it fall down. That's how how much force it's moving with. So it has to be carbonated. So now I need to know, people of the world, 
everyone out there, what is this mysterious beverage, this mysterious milk beverage that has the potential to take your head off? How about that for a good time, Willie Do Lighten the mood. The guy's not hurt. Yeah. I don't know how light it is because you seem scared now. Now you're, you're looking at your beverages differently. I'm scared. You're scared. This, I mean, look at the dent. Hey, Will, what do you, do you think we could find that drink at TNT? Uh, I mean... You know, we might find that drink at TNT. Anyway, okay. the p people let us know. Let us know what the name of it is. We're going to go looking for it. Who knows? We might have it here on this desk for the next show. We're going to place it right here. And it's going to be a ticking time bomb. And we're just going to be like, we're just going to be broadcasting, but like a little worried. So we're on edge. So we get the top performance, like at any moment in time. We're just going to put it where Jack's sitting over there. Yeah, right under your chin, Jack. Oh. Just sitting right here. You got to, you got yeah, you got to. <laughs> Sweating bullets here. Anyway, all right, Will. Okay. That's it for me. Hope you had a great time today. Uh, I believe you have one thing you need to share with the world. Very important. Uh, yeah, it's about a plane that landed on a street. Okay, break it down for us. So this happened in Washington State, and it's a one-man plane, single engine, and uh, a cop car that was somehow just there filmed it all, and he made a U. A U oh yeah, he just pulled a one a one eighty over there. And he just straight up uh, caught this plane that's just landing on what looks to be like a four-lane road and avoiding cars. The way you have it is perfect there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a busy street. Yeah. And yet he somehow, the pilot, just maneuvered himself to avoid all these yeah, cars. But, yeah, but did you see the moment previous where he, like, barely pulled it off? Where he yeah. had a wobble to him. There were some him. close calls. He had a wobble to him prior to... And how about the U-turn on the police officer? Watch this. Passed. Bang. Yeah, that was perfect. Jack, though. you never pull a U-turn like that. That was great. He nailed that U-turn. So there, there was a wobble and a slam. It was, a, it was rough. And, and, I mean, he did it. He did pull it off. And it isn't a flat runway by any means. But that thing's looking like a paper airplane right about now. It yeah. looks so flimsy right now. Super light. So what happened was uh, there was a fuel malfunction, uh. and the pilot had to do an emergency landing. So he found a runway, which is a street, wow. and uh, just landed. He pulled it off. No big deal. Look, he pops out. He brush off, brushed the dust off his shoulders, you know, and he goes, in, he goes into the 7-Eleven, and he gets a Slurpee. And then he takes off again. Yeah, he, he just goes on his way. Gets a little Slurpee, brush the shoulders. Gets maybe a donut or something, 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the, the plane landing is the real story or the incredible U-turn. I don't know what I like more. Yeah, they were both harrowing. They are both fantastic. Yeah. So here's the guy jumping out. All right, he pops open the lid. You know what strikes me as well? And look, I don't fly. So anyone who's into aircraft is probably like, yeah, there's nothing, nothing interesting. This is a common plane. Is just how light the plane looks when he's when he's mm -hmm. jumping off of it. It's all wobbly, and then he, when he goes to move it off the street here, <laughs> I mean, it's like he's it's like he's moving around. A, you know what? It honestly reminds me of when I moved the basketball net in, in front of my house. Mm. You just kind of like you lift it a little bit and you just kind of wheel it away. It's a one man job. Yeah, like I mean, the, the really? police officer. He's just trying to get. Yeah, he helps quickly, him out, but. but. Now, if you were on this street driving and you see this plane coming overhead, 
that's a moment for you. Mm. That's going to test you, right? You see, these people, they broke. They saw it happening. You know what? I'm glad they all pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, you, you hope you don't have to, but look at this. It's a feel-good. No one's hurt. Yeah, the no one's hurt, by the way. The police officer that. goes in and, and helps out, right? No brutality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a viral clip with no brutality. <laughs> he goes over. He's like, oh, you happen to land your aircraft here. Okay, yeah. I'll help you get it off the road. It's a beautiful, small-town vibe. You know I love this kind of thing, Well, Yeah, it's You great. nailed it on this. It's great. feel good all the way through. He lands it on the city streets. No one blinks an eye. They're like, uh, pat on the back. Get on with your day. Happy, happy flying. So I don't want to get in an airplane. I don't want to fly this aircraft myself. That's not for me because I take a look at that and I'm like, geez, it's so when you when you get reminded of how fragile it is as an item. Mm -hmm. And then I know pilots are going to be mad at me. They're like, look, I'm in control. I can handle it. Don't you dare call my thing fragile. I call the shots. Like, I, I understand. Experts are experts. You probably, that thing is not scary to you at all. But to me, I'm like, if I got an emergency land like he does and I nick anything or I come nose first, like, I got nothing. I got nothing, man. Mm. I'm going down hard. And so you're not going to catch me in that plane. But I want to give a shout out on the epic U-turn and the epic landing. And, like, the car's just moving on with life. Like, look at the guy. He's making a left turn. He's like, yeah, that's just a plane. He's like, that's just a plane. No big deal. Can't wait to get that Slurpee. Yeah. He's on. I mean, people got things to do. They're like, that's another plane. No big deal. So, unbelievable story, Will. It's a couple of feel-goods on the end of the show. We covered a lot. There's a lot going on. Apple Card. You heard my thoughts. I don't know if I, I don't know if I, you know, covered it the whole way. I'm a, I'm gonna I'm have a cop out right here a little bit because I'm you know you hear the throat, am I articulating my thoughts at the maximum capacity? I'm not really sure. I hope I covered it from every end of the spectrum. It's a tough it's a tough one to talk about because like like I said it's like it's a lot of pieces to it in how I'm interpreting how I think people should interpret it and so forth. Uh, Huawei they're doing what they're doing. Shout out to Xiaomi, tremendous success in India. Shout out to India in general, except for the guy who dunking his dad's BMW. No shout out to you if the story is true and there was no antelope involved. And that's the message of the day. Don't dunk your BMW because you're mad at your dad.